Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, where the truth is never on hold. I'm Doug Keck here with our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother take on some questions from a classic television program she hosted in the 80s and the 90s. Always great to see you, Father. How are you? Always good to be with you, Doug, and to learn again from Mother Angelica and the way that she would so quickly uh, have practical solutions to people's questions. Well, and just off the top of her head, since she had no idea what the questions Mm -hmm. were going to be. You know, this first up is going to be, that's what religious life is like. Interesting. A go before the tribunal having to do with marriage. Joy and heart from suffering pain and prayer for a particular employee and thankful for getting married. Let's talk about the religious life Mm -hmm. like. And uh, there's been many uh, strains and different things over the last 30 years. And of course, this is back in the 80s and the 90s when there was a lot going on, and, and mm-hmm. Mother senses that there's a loss there. Yeah, so there's a person, a young girl, who is interested in religious life here, and uh, Mother's answering the question because her mother wasn't too thrilled about the idea. But uh, Mother's talking about the reality of it, how beautiful it is when it's lived as it's intended to be lived, to see yourself as a spouse of Jesus. I remember also... Bishop Sheen, talking about his own vocation, and he said, you know, that it was just a wonderful thing to discover. God is calling me to be his follower, to be his intimate friend. Right, absolutely. And and I think another point she makes, uh, and she talks about the idea that that witness to the world, mm-hmm. you know, it is great, great for a religious, because it reminds you know, the regular lay person, when you see that, that this isn't all there Mm -hmm. is. There's something else going on. There's also an interesting thing because there's a story which she talks about in the sense of this idea of, well, being a contemplative Mm -hmm. isn't really doing really anything. You got to, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? And that seems to be a question we have in the world we live in today where it seems to be very oriented towards work. Yeah, exactly. Let me talk a little bit, I want to tell a little bit of a story about the sign that wearing the habit and being a religious is. One time I was in the Chicago airport and this young girl, probably 20 years old, comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder. She said, you remind me that I I haven't been to church for a long time. And I said, I can hear your confession. She said, well, I got to catch my plane, but I promise I'm going to go back to Mm -hmm. church. So just that was a signpost pointing to heaven. But yes, and also the value of the contemplative life, our dear sisters, they're the heart of what happens at the network because they're praying and that prepares the soil to receive the word of God that's proclaimed through EWTN. Right, and that's the kind of thing, unfortunately, in our in our world today that is not even taken for granted. It's ignored or or belittled as to what it really does, but uh, it's it's a powerful, powerful thing. Prayer, especially for the success of this network. Let's see what religious life is like and what the issues are that Mother talked about. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Yeah, where are you from? I'm from Derby, Connecticut. And what is your question? Mother, or I'm whatever. 15 years old, and I'm looking into, I want to go into the religious, religious life. How old are you? 15. Okay. And um, when I presented, when I told this to my mother, um, she said to me, gee, you know, I always thought that you would uh, amount to something. <laughs> and she said, um, 
I always thought that I would someday be able to be really proud of what you did. And I tried through all my power to, you know, convince her that this was doing something. I was going to amount to something. But she didn't really seem to be listening. And I was wondering if you could kind of just give me some pointers or something as to what I could say to her to convince her. Not only are you doing something wonderful, but you're becoming something even more wonderful. One of the first things that went in the early 60s, and now as you look around sometimes, you, <laughs> God, you wonder what's left, you know? But anyway, the first, one of the first things that, that went, and I say this because I was at a religious gathering where there were all major superiors, and I said something about the wonder of being a spouse of Christ. And she looked at me and laughed. She said, oh, we've done away with that. That was the first thing that went. After that, I'd followed a lot of other things. That's one of the greatest privileges anyone could have. That I am called to be the spouse of Jesus, Son of the Most High God. When did a priest, a bishop, put this ring on my finger? And by the way, people still complain I got diamonds on. I don't have diamonds. I got a simple ring. And this is a rosary ring that's just got little things sticking up for every Hail Mary. You got, you see that? There's no diamonds. I wouldn't wear one if you gave it to me. Uh, anyway, when he put this ring on my finger, he said, I espouse you to Jesus Christ's son of the Most High God. That's one of the most wonderful privileges. And I must follow him in sickness and death and good times and bad times. The second thing about religious life is it is such a wonderful witness of the other world. When the people, the laity, who struggle so hard sometimes in a worldly atmosphere, even to be Christian, let alone to be holy, if they see a religious that is cheerful, very zealous for the church and for the kingdom, and, and they realize there's got to be something, because their, 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 first, their first sentence is, why do you do this? Sometimes it bugs them. One time I got a letter. This is, oh, I think we were in Birmingham about three years. And I got this letter, and the letter said, to hell with all you contemplatives. And I looked at it, and I said, whoo, why are you angry with me? That was the first sentence, about that big. To hell with all you contemplatives. His daughter went to Catholic school at the time. And there weren't any sisters teaching, so they were taught by lay people. And I guess he was very unhappy. So he said to me, why don't you go out and teach your nurse? But he didn't sign his name. That always angers me because I wanted to write and say there are five of us. There were only five of us at the time, see? Now, where would I put five nuns? Teaching school? Wonderful. But would we make a dent in the need? 
Would I make a dent if I was a social worker? He's talking to the five of us now. I, all of these vocations are wonderful and needed. But if I would have told him or had the opportunity to say that my sisters are before the Blessed Sacraments, I will be with you until the end of time. That's what he said. If I were able to tell him that my life, whatever sacrifices I'm able to make, reach every person in the world. If I get up and pray at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 or 4, and you're all asleep, and I pray for the sick and the dying, and those who are in accidents are not ready to die, those that are drunk on the highway and death is around the corner and they won't even have a chance to say, oh God, I'm sorry. For the blessings of the world on the, every man, woman, and child. And thanking God for those who never, never once have thanked him. For praying for the dying and the sick. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for myself right here. <laughs> to pray for priests and religious that may be faithful. To pray for those who do not believe in God and never have. For those who are told there is no God. Is that kind of life useless? I would have liked to written to that to him or her. To you and your mother, I would say it is a great and wondrous vocation. It witnesses to the kingdom that is to come. It witnesses to the need to give one totally to God to give oneself without any kind of drawing back, with total detachment, by giving and trying to observe the first and the new commandment. That's what religious life is like. And moving on, we've got uh, go before the tribunal. Interesting question from someone uh, dealing with uh, a marriage in a different mm -hmm. state. Yeah, these are common questions, right? And you know, there's something very beautiful when a couple decides we want to be faithful to the Lord. There's going to be some sacrifice involved. We're going to live as brother and sister because of the marriage situation right now, working perhaps to have a declaration of nullity of a first marriage. But there's something beautiful about saying, Lord, you're first. And we're going to trust in your providence that if it's in accord with your will, that eventually we can have the sacramental union and to receive the sacraments in that way. Right, and absolutely in the idea of uh, spiritual communion, the idea mm -hmm. that one can still go to Mass all the time, every day, or, you know, if you need that more sustenance in your life, um, that that's something Mother encourages. Yeah, there's always benefits to attending the Mass, ideally, of course, to receive the Holy Eucharist, but even apart from that, 
to hear God's word, to make a spiritual communion. The Lord is present. Mm -hmm. And wherever he's present, something's happening, and it's happening within us. So he's going to open the doors, and it's just that perseverance, that trust, that patience, and that confidence in the Lord. And so much of of having things change is, is not only having the door open, but being prepared to walk through it when it does open. So let's see what Mother had to say about going before the tribunal. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Florida, Mother Angelica. My name is Mario Claudio. And what is your question? Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm one of those retirees that you just was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and and my, my wife is so... My wife has been so compassionate to allow me to hang around the house. <laughs> and uh, we've been married for 39 years. I'm Italian and she's Irish. So you can imagine oh, wow. what's going on. Yeah. But I was raised a Catholic mother, mm-hmm. and I've received my communion and confirmation so far back, I don't want to admit it, because I'm 66 years old. And uh, my wife, as compassionate as she is, she would love me to go back to the Catholic Church again, but since she was divorced once, uh, we will, I won't be able to go back and receive communion or, or anything and I would wanted you to maybe pray for us and give us a little information of, as much as you can on how we should go, go about doing it. Because I really have, I'm a Catholic in my heart yeah. and always will be. And I'm glad to hear that. And I know our dear Lord wants you to come back with greater desire than even you have. I don't know the circumstances of your your wife's divorce, and I think you need to go to a good uh, priest who is at the tribunal, the diocesan tribunal, and find out. There are many circumstances in maybe her life or her previous married life that might allow you to go to communion. We, I don't know those, but I would. that would be my first step. The second step would be, please go to Mass. Go to Mass. Now, if you're 66 years old and you've been married, how long you say you've been married? 39 39 years. I have to watch how you say the next thing now. You could begin to live as brother and sister and both go back to Mass and both go back to confession and both go back to communion. Hey, you're 66, you know? You've been married 39 years. <laughs> Seems to me it's time to make a sacrifice. You wanted the truth, so there it is. I think you need to be, I'll make a bet. I'll make a bet that your life will be so enhanced, so fulfilled, if you can do that. The grace will be unbelievable. Because I think, I think we live in very, very serious times. I think things will happen like that. And I'm not doom and gloom. Even nature, nature is beginning to rebel against the sin that is upon it. There's floods where there are never floods hurricanes and tornadoes everywhere and earthquakes. 
places in Mexico and lower part of southern part of California haven't had rain in four years. There's all kinds of signs that we don't want to hear, we don't want to see. We don't want to see the signs. I think you would rejoice the heart of Jesus. I know some of you will say to me, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I do. We're talking about eternal salvation, and any sacrifice in this world is worth it. You think about it, will you? I would try the first. I would go to Mass every day, and our dear Lord will, will be so pleased with your longing to receive Him in community, in, in your heart, rather. So, in the meantime, I'm very happy that you live happily together for all these years. That alone should give you the courage to do what I just suggested. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And the calls are being answered by Mother Angelica as we continue. I'm Doug Heck here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Our next topic, Father, is joy in the heart from suffering and pain and a prayer for an employee, something that mm-hmm. you would have experienced, Mother, many times praying for her employees mm-hmm. as her family, right? Yes, and even meeting people that said they received favors, you know, when Mother had prayed for them at a particular time. Because the Lord does that, you know, sometimes he does touch hearts and bring healing in particular ways. You know, this uh, caller talks about loving EWTN because it keeps me alive. Mm -hmm. And what I thought about is, you know, you can go through the channels and a lot of them just kind of seem to actually suck the life out of you. (laughs) Because there's temptation, there's, uh, you know, propaganda of one sort or another. But the network is there to bring the gospel truth and the beauty of, of what God's plan is. And that brings us life and joy. Absolutely. Well, it's the seamy side of the street, it seems, what you get all the time. And, mm-hmm. and the worst aspects of people and, and, and all of these, like you said, horror shows. And Mother always used to say, you know, be careful what you put in your mind or what you see because mm-hmm. you can't unsee it. So you need to be very, very careful. And that's why... Uh, you know, watching EWTN, or a lot of people, as we know, Father, who leave EWTN on as like Catholic wallpaper yeah. on, on their on their mm-hmm. television set because they can trust it. Yeah, and it's there's prayers going on. You're joined with people throughout the world and praying for the world, so much needed today. So what a gift this is of God's mercy today. Especially uh, when talking about the, the homebound and those, and, and especially during the COVID period, but throughout. Mother was mm-hmm. ahead of her time in having something that was reaching the homebound and those people who are ill or terminally ill and suffering many times alone, but not always alone because they had this channel and they had the mass. Let's see what Mother has to say about suffering and pain. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Mother Angelica. Where are you from? I'm going from Bluefield, New Jersey. Ah, and what is your gift? My gift to the Lord is the joy in my heart when I carry my pains. I'm suffering from severe rheumatoid arthritis, and I'm permanently handicapped, and I am housebound. 
I stay home all the time, except uh, on Friday night when my husband brings me to church, and on Sunday when my husband brings me to church. My mother, who's 79 years old, take care, takes care of me, and my gift to Jesus is the joy in bearing all these pains, because I know He loves me so much. And yeah. Mother Angelica, I love you. Thank you. I love EWTN. I love it because uh, it keeps me alive. My heart is so full of joy this Christmas. Yes, that's one of the things EWTN tries to do. Those that are homebound and suffering terminal diseases, the whole purpose is to, to bring Jesus to you hmm? and make you understand how much you are loved. See. When we look at Jesus on the cross, we have to know how much the Father loved him and how much he loved the Father by saying yes. The yes of Jesus and the yes of Mary were painful. And sometimes our yes to God is also painful, and that's okay. And so I thank God also for your joy in suffering. It is such a witness. I thank God for your husband too who takes such good care of you and your mother. God has really been good to you. Lord, we're going to unite our prayers for all those who are homebound and sick, the blind, those with cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy, those who have any kind of terminal diseases. And those of you listening to me in a hospital room tonight know that you're very very special. We need to, to know that God loves us. We're going to say a prayer for one of the wives of one of our own employees who's prayed to death that she's going to have a miscarriage. And we're going to ask our Lord for all of you women out there who want children and want to bear children that, that you have a, a, a very blessed pregnancy. So we're going to unite our prayers with your prayers and ask our dear Lord to bless you and bring to life that you may have a, a beautiful child one day. Lord Jesus, we pray and bless you. We live in a mixed up world, Lord. There are many women who have children and they abort them. And we have so many, Lord, who want children and they have such a difficult time. We ask you to bless these women, Lord. Bless them all. And those who have had miscarriages, Lord, we just ask that they know and understand they did bear a child. That child is there and that child is in heaven. And that child has seen God, even though their mother's eyes have never been laid upon them. But they are children. And they're your children. So, Lord, we ask that this mystery be accepted by all those who have lost their children, that they know they do have someone that belongs to them in our the kingdom. Do we ask, Lord, that she may have peace of heart, that all of you who are afraid may have that peace that comes from total giving of our will to God's will.
And wrapping things up on a more positive note, mm -hmm. um, someone who's thankful for getting married, Father. You know, and gratitude is the song of heaven. And so what a time to just thank God for entering to, into human history. And this is a beautiful little story of how now this man has found that he's blessed by his new wife and is thankful to Jesus for that gift. Right, and that's uh, that's such an important thing for people to realize today because marriage is really under such a great mm -hmm. attack, literally. Yeah, and to see it for what it really is, it's a call to holiness. It's you're to help each other to heaven and to eternal life, to have a companion. And you assist each other, you grow, you know, through patience and uh, purification. Whether you like and, it or not. <laughs> but it's all for your good. And the couples that stick it out and hang in there through the tough times are the happiest couples, really, when they have the Lord. Right, and you get really that, that idea of self-donation and, and self-sacrifice that comes in when anytime you have a marriage or a kind of relationship like that uh, on a regular basis. So let's see what Mother has to say about this couple, or this gentleman who called in, actually, who was very thankful for getting married. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hi. Where are you from? I'm calling from Detroit, Michigan. And, and what, is your, what is your gift to the Lord? Well, Mother, uh, thanks to our Lord, I'm in a beautiful relationship now with a wonderful lady. And my gift to Jesus this Christmas is not only myself, but it's going to be this marriage that I'm uh, getting into with her, because I believe that he, for some reason, um, he bought her into my life, and I thank him every day for it. And uh, we're going to Midnight Mass at uh, her parents' uh, parish, and I intend to uh, write out a little thank you note and put it in the creche uh, after Mass. Wonderful. Keep your eyes on the Lord. See, that's a nice gift to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this coming year, I thank you for the gift you have given me. And in every part of my life, I want to thank you. Whether it's pain or sorrow or, or joy or disappointment, I want to thank you, Lord. That's a wonderful gift to give to Jesus. I want to give you myself, Lord by being a perfect Christian and not being ashamed to talk about you to everyone and anyone. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.